If it isn't time for Tim the Tool Man Benz, what's up, Tim? Is that the nickname now? I'm no longer a vampire. You're still a vampire, but you're also the Tool Man because you like Tool. Just because of the nature of my affinity for the band, I see. I, I see what you did there. It's quite clever. Yes, uh, I've been told that I'm incredibly clever. Actually, last time we talked, Tim, I believe you referred to me as naive. Now you sarcastically said that I'm clever. I don't know why I keep doing this. Wait a minute. Well, I said you, I said you had a naive point of view on something. I don't remember what it was. Maybe I found it to be more refined now. I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> it aged well. Tim right. Benz, of course, it's from the trip. Yes, uh, Tim from the Trib, Steelers Radio Network, and Steelers Nation Radio. Uh, Tim, I liked your thought process on the Patriots against the Miami Dolphins. Uh, the question that you asked in particular, where uh, you said, if you feel better, if the Steelers win on Sunday, is it because they're better than the Patriots, the Patriots are worse, or are they not going to win? Uh, I think you framed that correctly. I don't look at these Patriots and say, oh my God, they stink. We always kind of look for weaknesses with them. I know I certainly did last year. If the Steelers are going to win, I think it's because Ben Roethlisberger is going to go off. Yeah, and you know what? We do that in part because we spend so much time microanalyzing our own team. And that's not just a Pittsburgh thing. Every football fan base in NFL City does that. You almost act like there's only one team on the field. So you sometimes talk yourself into thinking that their positive attributes aren't as much as they should be and their negative attributes are more than they really are. Uh, case in point, just the way people sometimes criticize Mike Tomlin individually, right? Uh, you know, you pick apart his clock management at the end of the Baltimore game, and then you turn around and suggest that he was lousy for the other 60 minutes, or the other 58 minutes. It's probably not true in a lot of cases, and it wasn't on Sunday. And I think we do that to a great extent when it comes to the Patriots. We're so used to seeing them win all the time. We're so used to seeing them beat Pittsburgh all the time. We have to manufacture in our own heads reasons as to why they've fallen off. Whereas, you know, if um, the Steelers had just lost to the Ravens, what were we going to do? Make ourselves feel like that they were cooked and they had no business being in the playoff race because they were 10-3 and 11-2? and No, the Patriots just had a bad game against the Dolphins on the road in Miami where they often lose anyway. And I think we worked really hard early in the week to try to talk ourselves into thinking that Brady's Achilles was really messed up. Uh, their third down offense stunk whether or not Gronk was really in there. Uh, we've got to remember that Trey Flowers is annoyed and play on defense. So, yeah, if, if the Steelers win on Sunday, I think it's going to be a lot more because Pittsburgh has improved dramatically more so than New England has slipped all that much. Do you think the Steelers have improved dramatically to this point where they were last year in the AFC Championship game, Tim? Yeah, I think... They are significantly better when they have all five of their major playmakers on offense. Uh, they're probably not as good as right tackle because Hubbard is playing into the Gilbert, so you got to keep that in mind. And on defense, uh, I think at most of the positions on the field, they are better. But, you know, there are just glaring holes currently at inside linebacker and at left corner uh, where it looks like it's going to be Cam Sutton and not much else, especially since Sensabaugh may not be able to play. And an inside linebacker throws something against the wall to see what sticks. And the reason why they keep losing to New England, mainly, the reason why they keep losing to New England, even though they, for the most part, had better rosters over the years, is Belichick can take one or two weaknesses and make them the biggest reason why you lose. And at the same time, you can take away your two biggest strengths. And the Steelers have never been able to figure out a counter to that. No, they haven't. And 
Getting tired of it, Tim. Damn it, these bastards. Yeah, exactly. It's the same thing over and over again. It is, and that's why I'm going to pick New England to win this game. I like where the Steelers are offensively right now, but I'm never going to pick the Steelers until they actually prove that they can get this done. Yeah, that's been my mantra, and that doesn't make you a hater. That doesn't make you a cynic. That doesn't make you a pessimist. That makes you an adult. Like, you know, babies touch the stove, they burn their hand, they don't do it again. Uh, We in Pittsburgh have burned our hand 10 times out of 12 chances, you know, and here, I'll even give you something. If you think it's too cynical of a take, here, I'll give you a reason to be optimistic. All right, here's, and I'm writing this for the trip tomorrow. I'll give you a little look ahead. It's like, you mean that much to me, Adam. I'm going to give you a look ahead to the column. I, Two weeks in a I, row. I primed the pump with the Penguin Star Wars column, and that turned out great, so I'm going to do the same thing here. All right? Um, go back to 2004, go back to 2011, the two times the Steelers have beaten Tom Brady. Both the games at Heinz Field, both the games in the 4 o'clock time slot, right? Okay, you with me so far? Both the games they dominated when it came to time of possession. In the time of possession category, it was 39 and 42 minutes. So they had that going for them. And I'll also say this, in both those cases, they had something that Bill Belichick hadn't yet seen on film from the Steelers. Uh, I take that back. Might have seen it on film, but didn't see it in person. In one case, and that was 2004. They had not seen Ben Roethlisberger in person at quarterback. They hadn't seen Troy Polamalu on the field at safety. They hadn't seen Deuce Staley run behind that offensive line. They hadn't seen a Dick LeBeau defense here in Pittsburgh yet. Tim Lewis was the defensive coordinator for the three previous years. And in 11, as we all know, they tricked up the defense. They went a lot more press man, and they had Cortez Allen on Rob Gronkowski. So maybe this year, since they haven't seen Juju Smith-Schuster and Martavis Bryant on the field with all three of the other major playmakers, maybe that's the difference maker that throws off the Patriots. Maybe. I definitely think there's some credence to that. Uh, you already mentioned that Belichick likes to take away what you do best, so they're going to go after Brown, they're going to go after Bell. You've got to have Juju Smith-Schuster, Martavis Bryant, tight ends, guys like that make plays like they did last week. On the other side, Tim... I just have no faith that the Steelers are going to be able to stop New England. And even if they were to, let's say, try something new and play a little bit more press man and Joe Hayden were to play, okay, I I still haven't seen the Steelers these last couple of weeks get pressure the way that they had early in the season. And I don't care what coverage you're playing on the back end. If you don't pressure Brady, if he stands there and pats the ball like he did in last year's AFC Championship game, you're bleeped. Yep, 100% valid point, which goes to the other thing I wrote for the trip this week, be ready to outscore them. Yep. You know, I don't think you can outpossess them 39, 42 minutes at a pop this time because I don't think this defense gets the three and outs that those defenses got on right. those afternoons. Uh, and I don't think that the Patriots turn the ball over and get a get a safety in their own end zone like they did in 2011. Uh, I think you got to be ready mentally and coaching-wise, play-calling-wise, on offense, to win this game just like you did the last one, 30-something to 30-something. Tim, I said at the beginning of the year and even lately that I didn't love that the Steelers were playing them potentially twice because I thought that if the Steelers were going to win, they'd have to throw a little wrinkle in on defense like you mentioned back in 2011. I thought that they'd have to do something maybe a little bit weird, something that New England hadn't seen on tape before. Now I'm changing my tune. Now I say you throw everything you have at them in this game. Because if you beat them, there's a chance that they're having to play three games before the Super Bowl, and that hasn't historically worked out well for them. If they were to, say, play Baltimore in the first round, then go to Jacksonville, 
and then to Pittsburgh, I think I might like the Steelers' chances that second time even more than I thought coming into the year. And, hey, maybe they don't get there this time. Yeah, I agree with 90% of that. Um, the only 10% I don't agree with is not getting there. <laughs> like, the, the premise <laughs> is 100% sound. And I agree with your thought process because I, I think the same thing, Adam. I think you and I have talked about this. I, I consider this game to be one big giant petri dish for Bill Belichick. Uh, this is a giant experiment. Like, you know, for instance, that example I just cited for in 2004, all those different variables that Belichick hadn't seen yet. Well, what happened when they played in the AFC Championship game? Well, it's 41-27. Mm-hmm. New England won. Uh, the 2011 thing, what happened the next time they played? It was 55-31 in New England. So, you know, he, he takes what he hasn't seen before, um, picks up on some little nuance here or there, and then flips it on you. So uh, I think a lot of what you're saying is right, uh, especially about them playing three games. I still think, though, it does come down to them coming back here again, and, and let's see who's in better shape physically by that point. More, not to blame, but more to get credit. Who should get more credit? Oh, this is a terrible phrase to question. Who should get the credit? More so for the Patriots, Tom Brady or Bill Belichick? Oh my God, it's such an indiscernible thing. But I usually go the way of the quarterback. Me too. Yeah, I, mean, I usually go the way of the quarterback. Um, you know, there's there are so few instances too of the great coach in just about any sport uh, moving on from you know the great scorer or the great quarterback or the great pitching staff and going somewhere else and. Still winning, but like, you know, for instance, Phil Jackson did it. You know, he, he went from uh, Pippen and Michael Jordan to Kobe and Shaq. So you can really tell the difference there. No. I mean, in general, I'm going to go with the quarterback makes the bigger difference than the coach does. But, you know, you know, at the same time, you look at Belichick and he did go 12 and 4 with Testa Verde and got to the AFC playoffs against Pittsburgh and he did go 11 and 5 with Matt Castle. So you got to give him credit for that. Tim Ben's joining me here. On the Crowley Show. Tim, what's Boston Sports Radio like? What do they think about the Steelers? What are those guys saying about the Steelers right now? And how do the fans feel about the Steelers? Uh, well, of course, you know, there's just enough bait on the hook given to them this week with, you know, midweek lull after we went through all of our exes and O's, a couple other hosts throughout the Spygate, the Flategate conversation. And so I'm sure we're all whiners again. I'm sure we're all complainers again. <laughs> um, so that's the spin in Boston. I would also suggest the spin in Boston. Well, not even spin. Uh, you know, to, to the root of your question, how do they view the Steelers? Do they view them as a rival kind of thing? No. Uh, Boston's biggest rival for the Patriots is the league and the commissioner. Uh, that is the number one enemy, the league and the commissioner, not another team. Uh, they don't play the Steelers quite enough um, on a regular basis to, to really consider them a rival like the Jets were when Rex was there. Nobody beats them enough that they can feel like they're a real rival, you know, Indy has here and there, Pittsburgh has here and there, Denver did once or twice, but, um, you know, they, from what I remember from being out there, it's, it's more about the animosity towards the league for the Spygate and the Flategate stuff. What do you think the validity is of Spygate having an impact? I don't look at the Flategate, to me, at least is the same thing. Uh, no, I, I don't either, um, because Spygate was mechanical, uh, Spygate was something they were warned about. Uh, I still think to this day that Deflategate was all about <laughs> the refs monkeying around with the footballs without pressure gauges and just doing a squeeze test and then turning the equipment back over the staff and in essence Brady telling the equipment staff to do the same thing. 
okay, they put a little air in, you take a little air out. I don't see that as nefarious as what Spygate was. No, me neither. Do you think Spygate had a big impact on their early success with Belichick and Brady? Uh, I don't really know. Uh, I, I don't think it did in 2001. You know, people want to pin the 2001 loss on it because Heinz Ward had that quote afterwards. It's like they knew what plays were coming. Well, weren't they filming the defense, not the offense? Right. Didn't the Steelers lose because of special teams? I mean, like, what did what did Spygate have to do with putting the ball in the wrong hash mark and Troy Brown running out of bounds? You know, um, Troy Edwards, excuse me, running out of bounds. You know, I, I just, I have a hard time pinning that much on it when you take that away, and then they went undefeated in 2007. You take the deflated, deflated footballs away. Uh, uh, Brady played better in the second half of that AFC Championship game and they won the Super Bowl anyway. So I, I don't affix as much of the results of the, the Patriots dynasty over these 15 years strictly on the cheating scandals. I don't. How much did you piss Belichick and Brady off? Did you piss them off as much as you tick off the uh, quarterback and coach here? Not close. No, not <laughs> close, because I didn't interact with them all that much. Okay. Uh, Belichick was on the afternoon show. Brady was on the morning show. We had Edelman and Chandler Jones as our guests. And we were in Boston, like right in Boston. So I wasn't in Foxborough a ton. And my show was on when all their press availabilities were anyway, so I was never around the facility like I am in Pittsburgh. It wasn't wasn't the same setup, so they didn't have the opportunity to be pissed <laughs> off by me, which is the way I prefer to phrase it. You know what, Tim? That was probably good for you, man. You work more and harder maybe than anybody I know, and to have the availability whenever you were already working, that might have added some years to your life. <laughs> you know, and it's also a little bit easier to get around Pittsburgh than it is around Boston. Like, I can bounce from the south side at, like, you know, noon when Mike is talking and then get back on the air with you guys at 1 if I need to. You can't do that in Boston. You need, like, you know, Brady flies around from place to place in a helicopter sometimes in Boston because it's so complicated. I'm not kidding. I remember that first press conference, that first press availability he had after the Blake Gate. He actually took a helicopter from one place and went to another place, like, just outside in suburban Boston for it. I don't think I could do that. I, you know, you don't need to do that in Pittsburgh. You have to in Boston. Thanks as always, Tim. We'll talk to you. All right. Talk to you later, Adam. There he goes, Tim Benz, the official vampire of the Crowley Show. I asked him. I asked him if it added years to his life, but he he's going to live for all eternity. Duh. That's it. You're not going to let it ride out. Uh, yeah. 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 Uh, I want to examine Antonio Brown a little bit. Not physically, but just what he's doing. Because it's insane. Next. Crowley Show. So I'm thinking Big 12 championship. Maybe 11-1. and one. Sneak into the playoff. Us against the world. Will Greer, best quarterback in the game. They're going to win it all. Homer. <laughs> Natty. Natty in it. Here's the thing, though. All season long, they were in the top 25 this year until Greer broke his finger. Two years ago, they went 10-2. and two. If you go 10-2, and two, you win your conference this time because the Big 12 is going to be down. You're 10-2, and two, you win your conference. But you've got the national notoriety of Greer. You've got the conference championship 
behind you. Let's say they go ten and two again. They could be in the playoff. It's not like they didn't just go ten and two. They could go ten and two again. They can go to a major bowl game. Brian's over here telling me I'm nuts. Oh, you're in here just buy you're into the hype already, man. Well, it's something that I've talked about with my friends for a long time, just anticipating if he were to come back, yeah. what the expectation level is, but Almost the entire offense coming back. Almost the entire defense coming back. Will Greer coming back. You add a top 15 recruiting class, and you add a four-star transfer from Alabama. You add a three-star transfer corner from Michigan. We're talking, baby. See, here's what you're doing. You're working yourself up into a frenzy. like, And you're, you, you know enough by being in this business to check your homerism, but I can see it ramping up to where you start laying out stats. You start laying out records, and everything starts building up. And you've got to physically stop yourself from, like, actually believing that they're going to win a national championship. But you know, you know, all the other Mountaineers out there, there's a lot of them right now who are calling national championship, think this is it, it's all done. You want to be there, bro. Well, those people are idiots. Those people are idiots, though. Like, for me to ever say West Virginia's going to win a national championship, I think it's ludicrous. You're walking right up to the line today. Right up to the line. Is it all all that far-fetched to say they could win a conference? (laughs) <laughs> they were ten and two two years ago. It's not far fetched. No, they should. They will be. They but, will be the favorite to win the conference. See, this they will conf- be the favorite. Doesn't mean it's going to happen. But <laughs> they will be the favorite. They will get voted. You just shut up. No, just shut your mouth. Okay, we're going to get voted. What people don't know is during the break. You're sitting here going off on this thing, and you really do. You lead up to the point just when you're going to say it's a national championship. I think you really believe it. Like, you want to believe it. You think it's going to happen. You just won't say it. You know what is going on in my head right now? Yeah. I've I've talked myself into thinking that they're going to be Big 12 contenders. Because, I mean, they will. They'll, at the very least, come in second. They should if everyone's healthy. And who knows what happens with health, all things being equal. This is the reserved part of the conversation. Watch it ramp, people. If you get to that point where you win your conference, you could be in the playoff. And it's rampant. If you're in the playoff and you've got the best quarterback, conceivably, you could pull an upset. Path to the championship. Here we go. If you pull that first upset, all you got to do is win one game. That's a national championship right there, right? Right. And then you make statues of the guy. But that's not going to happen. Here's what I really think, and people don't care. This but is what you do. You go back on it as soon as you make a case No, for I'm it. not going back on anything. I didn't say that was going to happen. I, I just it's, it's realistic that they could win the whole thing. And go back on it. But they won't, though. <laughs> They're going to go 9-3 and three or something like that, and then they'll go to the Big 12 championship game and lose and be 9-4, and four, and then Will Greer's going to declare for the draft, and he's not going to play in the ball game, and they're going to go 9-5, and five, and it's going to be a total waste of a legitimate... NFL quarterback. But, but, that's that's typical West Virginia, right? We've got our guy. We've got an opportunity. And then they poo down their like Their schedule, it's a terrible time to have an, a really tough schedule. They play Tennessee the first week of the season. I know they're not great, but it's Tennessee. People don't care about this either. But this is, this is a window to me. And that's what this show is. I mean, we try to entertain. This is what I'm thinking about right now. Just shut up. Since that news came down, you really haven't been on anything else outside of the show. I mean, we're doing most Steelers today. You know, good show. Lots of Patriots talk. But, like, once that news, yeah, you were in it, man. Will Greer's a great Patriot. True American. 
Now he's a West Virginian forever. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. He's no Will Greer, but Antonio Brown is going to be in the Hall of Fame. Get used to it. And this isn't the hottest of takes right now, but I don't think people realize just what he's done. Everyone wants to stop him. That's plan A. When you play the Pittsburgh Steelers, you have to stop Antonio Brown. Yeah, Le'Veon Bell, fine. He's been kind of stopped this year from a running perspective. He's got 3.9 yards per carry. You can't stop Bell, or you can't stop Brown. They haven't stopped Brown. No one has stopped Brown. What can Brown do for you? That's such a Stan joke. I love Stan, but that was really bad right there. Brown's got 1,509 receiving yards, 99 catches, 70 first downs, 27 catches of 20-plus yards. Here's the kicker, though. He's one catch away from becoming the NFL's first receiver with five 100-catch seasons. The first one to ever do it. Jerry Rice ain't ever done that shiz. He's got three seasons with at least 1,500 yards that's tied for second all-time behind Jerry Rice's four. What do you think he's going to do next year? He's going to make it four. How do you stop him? I don't think you can. Consider Ben Roethlisberger's season just for a moment here. Ben sucked early. Let's be real, he sucked. Threw five interceptions against the Jacksonville Jacks. He was terrible. There was one point where Ben had six touchdowns, seven interceptions. Not good football by any standard, and certainly by Ben Roethlisberger's standard. Yet, at that same time, Antonio Brown still led the league in receptions. He still led the league in catches. That's the same thing. He also led the league in yards. Before Roethlisberger turned it around, he was the best receiver in the game. Now that Roethlisberger's turned it around, A.B. has taken this shiz to another level. He kept the Steelers afloat when they could have easily sunk. I think this guy deserves to be in the MVP conversation, and I know it always goes to a quarterback, but if the Steelers beat the Patriots and get the number one seed, I think the MVP has to come from Pittsburgh. To finally get over that hump, Ben Roethlisberger right now is at 12-1 to odds to win the MVP. If they beat New England and he throws for 450, or if he throws for 350 even and four touchdowns and they win the game, Ben Roethlisberger is going to shoot to the top of a lot of MVP boards because his overall numbers are going to be silly. But keep in mind what A.B. did when Ben was not good. A.B.'s been great all season long. So if Ben Roethlisberger merits MVP discussion, you've got to put Antonio Brown in the conversation. And if they beat the Patriots, if I had a vote, I'm giving it to Brown. Carson Wentz is hurt. He's not going to get it. So A.B. should at least be in the conversation. But this brings me to a larger point. This son of a gun's going to be in the Hall of Fame one day. He's in the MVP conversation. He's one of the best receivers of all time. It's going to be said and done at the end. Top three, maybe. No one's ever going to give it to Rice or to him over Rice. No one's ever going to give it to anybody over Rice. Rice is considered the GOAT. Like, hands down. There's never really a debate. But he'll be in the conversation, and it's so laughable that people ripped him the way that they did early in the season and last year during the playoffs. Man, I respect Mark Madden. He's a mentor of mine. He's a friend. I like that guy. But he used to call Antonio Brown Tony. He still does call him Tony. He used to say Antonio Brown's never going to be more than the second receiver in this league. A lot of people last year were saying it might be time to cut bait 
for Ant- with, uh, with Antonio Brown because he's such a D-bag. I've always defended him because I've always seen the talent. You win championships with talent. You don't win championships without talent. Duh. You win by having the best players on the field. The Steelers have great players, he being one of them. You keep him around. Anybody who at any point going forward says Antonio Brown is a cancer, Antonio Brown takes away from the football team and doesn't add to the football team, smack him across the face. Give him the Crowley seal of approval. Little finger guns there. Give him the hot take guns. Because it's BS. He's getting all the credit now. And he should have been getting credit the whole time. He's the easy target in this town. Madden goes after him. The other station goes after him. Columnists go after him. Because he acts a little weird. And he does some questionable things. And he throws Gatorade coolers and he skips out on autograph signings, and he parks in handicapped spots. That all makes you kind of a dope or maybe a little bit of a bad person. I think it's more the former than the latter, but it ain't cool. But I don't give a rip about that. I don't need him to be my role model. I need him to catch footballs, a hundred of them, and he's going to do that on Sunday. So easy to have that take. Where would the Steelers be without him? You know, Madden always blames Brown because he's a Roethlisberger apologist. He's a Roethlisberger defender. Those guys across the street, same thing. They have him on the radio station. They pay him handsomely to be there. It's a meat slap. Right across the face. Anybody who's going to rip Antonio Brown. They all defend him, Roethlisberger, because they're apologists, and they rip Antonio Brown. Man... This team would not be in a position to get the number one seed without A.B. They wouldn't be. They wouldn't have beat Cleveland. They wouldn't have beat Cleveland week one. They wouldn't have beat Green Bay. That's for damn sure. They would have won against Baltimore. And they probably wouldn't have beat Cincinnati. Now, if he's any other receiver in football, you probably win two less games. At least out of the ones that I'm talking about. But you could have lost all four. And where does that put the Steelers then? Now, you can make the argument... The same way with Roethlisberger in the last handful of games. But before that, Ben was playing like junk. And the only guy you could find, the only guy you could hit with the pass was Antonio Brown. I'd vote for him for MVP. And I know his ass is getting in the Hall of Fame. The only question is, is the bust going to have Lego hair or not? I would think yes. Up next... Marc-Andre Fleury, wearing Vegas gold, but the Penguins aren't anymore. I miss him so much. Not really. False. I do not miss him. It's the Crowley Show. Just came out in the Boston Globe that former ESPN employee said that John Butchigross called her doll face and dream girl and long legs and then sent shirtless photos of himself. And then he gave a statement saying, I'm sorry if anything I did or said offended Adrian. It certainly wasn't my intent. I considered Adrian to be a friend of mine. Butchigross posts shirtless pictures all the time up. He does. 
like on his social media, he's always talking about how he doesn't eat sugar, how he's always eating meat, and how he's always eating protein, and he's trying to build the muscles up. You can't do that stuff, though. You can't. Now I know, because I sent Brian a shirtless photo, what, two weeks ago? Right after the day, the day of or the day after I made the challenge of six-pack or piercing, I sent you a half-naked picture of myself. You did. My response was exactly this. Did you just send me a shirtless selfie? And the answer, of course, was yes, because you did send it to me. I didn't know that I could get offended by that, but I think now... um, Now you are offended? Yeah, Crowley. Now, uh, actually, frankly, I'm offended because you haven't sent any more. Only when I get the six-pack. Okay. Promises, promises. Now, on six-pack day, mm-hmm. I shouldn't drink any water like that whole day, Oh, no, right? like two days before, you got to kind of go into like a very... Starvation mode? Nah, like a fasting mode. Liquid, go with water, go with a little bit of food, if any. I mean, I'd go like... Because this is like you don't need any bloating. Like she is out of the question. Yeah, you kind of got. She bloats me all the time. You've got yeah, yeah. It bloats everybody all the time. And and by the sounds that go on during the break, you had some cheese today. Uh. (laughs) See, and the thing is, is that you got to treat this like a like a weightlifting competition. You know, those guys aren't just always walking around. There's a certain amount right before the competition that they have to do to get to that like shredded yeah exactly so i think since this is kind of a similar situation you've got to like take some of that uh theory into it i'm looking forward to it i'm gonna do it i'm looking forward to the shirtless selfie with six-pack abs it won't take long give me a couple of weeks and you'll be getting a new one i also recommend on the day of the weigh-in maybe wear a garbage bag as like an undershirt that way you get all the water weight out of you, sweat it out. Go full wrestler, like Greco-Roman. Yeah. Exactly. Grecking it. Grecking it up, yeah. You should do sprints down the hall. That was the thing during like high school and college, like the wrestlers. I always just despised what they were doing. I'm like, you could never pay me enough to do that. you know. But in this case, for you, I think it might be a good idea because you probably couldn't pay me enough to get a belly button piercing either. I wonder how bad that would hurt if I had to do it. I think that hurts, man. Yeah, it's probably not comfortable. No, not bad. Katie O's in here. Katie, have you ever had a belly button pierced? No, but if it makes you feel better, I'll get one with you. That makes me feel a lot better. What if I don't have to get one, though? Will you still do it? I wasn't planning on it, but if you're asking me to. Okay. Well, we'll have the person here and ready. Just we, make it sanitary. That's all I well, ask. Well, duh. I'm going to pay the person swimmingly. We're professionals. Can I get drunk? I know with tattoos, it's usually like they say no. Um, what if I sign the release matter. the day before? Like, I don't want to feel the pain if I need to. You're going to feel... It's not that bad. I have other piercings. Yeah, but... Belly but, button is a sensitive area. Yeah, like, I wouldn't want to get my tongue pierced. I wouldn't want to get my, like, the inside of my nose pierced like the a septum. bull. The septum. That's what they call that. Devious, those septums are. Deviated septum. That's what I was looking for. Should we treat you like royalty and just go straight Prince Albert? What, now? I appreciated that. I don't understand. That's all right, Joe gets it. What's a Prince Albert? Um, It's royalty. It's part of the, he's part of the royal family. There's a difference between getting your ear pierced like in... What's that movie? Parent Trap? Yeah. And 
getting it's your belly button like pierced. That. It's not like that. It's going to hurt a lot worse, I think. It will hurt, but... They got to go in with like a hooked needle. <laughs> yeah, so like it's not like they're just going straight through. Like they come down and in and through it and then back out. The needle's curved, so the needle... They have to wind the curved needle through your skin. <laughs> Luckily, even if I don't I've have... I've done like seven times in other areas. Even if I don't have a six-pack at that point, I'll still have not a lot of skin there. So If it is tighter, it will hurt more. The tighter it is, the more it hurts? In my opinion. What? I would say that's right. Yeah, that's probably... What? Yeah, so I, sure. I, I'd be better little, off being chubby? Leave a little cushion. That's a, no, that's against. That's a, oh boy, this is what that's, well, that's this is what makes this so dangerous, right? Because right. I'm working to get my shiz tight, right? If you have a six pack, you don't have to worry. About I it. know, but if I come up a little short, everything's still gonna be tight. Oh god! And you're at the highest pain threshold possible because you've gotten like lean. But if there's no, oh man, that's that could be. Well, yeah, you got to plan well, dude. Just never mind. It's like a two minute drill. You got right, you every play counts, right dude. Now. What's that, Joe? I said, if I were you, I'd start doing crunches right now. See, that's such a myth. Crunches aren't going to lead me to my promised land. I mean, they don't hurt. No help. So what's They'll your help. key? What's your key to success? The key is diet and just keep on keeping on, man. No, the key to abs is outrageous exercise. Like, you, Joe's probably right. You probably should be doing abs. Dude, this is a belly button uh, here. You have to do ab Body exercises, obviously, but uh, you have the right idea. Cardio abs is the way to go. Yeah. Like, yeah. sitting there and doing a thousand crunches a day will help if you... It'll help build the muscle, but you're still going to have that layer of fat there. What you need to do is combine that with the diet. When I've done my most rigorous dieting is whenever I've had the flattest stomach. It's not... It's not when just, Like, I've right, worked right. out vigorously before and not had great abs and then all of a sudden they appear with two weeks of strict dieting it's insane so shut up joe what do you even know i saw your tummy when i waxed you you can't tell me how to get a six-pack you don't have a six-pack unless you do now have you ever you probably did didn't you, you dirty dog probably did it's looking at you like you did take your shirt off right now take it off Okay. Anybody else think that this Mark Andre Fleury thing's a little blown up? I do. I think it's a little over the top. I understand missing a former player. I understand how weird it is going up against the guy again. But I don't think that it's this huge milestone game for the Penguins. I don't think that it's a game that's going to make me want to shed a tear. I love Marc-Andre Fleury. He's the first hockey jersey I ever had. My parents bought it for me on Christmas. I remember it to this day. I love Marc-Andre Fleury as a Penguin, and he's a great guy. But the Penguins are better positioned right now. They've got Matt Murray. It had to happen. And Marc-Andre Fleury got to go out on top, so I don't necessarily understand having to be sad I don't understand that viewpoint at all, in fact. You move on. It's sports. That's what happens. You root for the jersey. You don't root for the guy. You can root for the guy when he's in the jersey. And you can root for him afterwards, too. But if anybody is rooting for Marc-Andre Fleury tonight, give me a break. And I saw that other station across the street. That's what they were talking about. You rooting for Marc-Andre Fleury tonight, or are you rooting for the Penguins? Why would you root for Marc-Andre Fleury? Are you freaking kidding me? Are you rooting for Emmanuel Sanders to win the Super Bowl, or are you rooting for the Steelers? 
I understand it's a little bit different there, certainly. But were you rooting for Alan Fanica as a Jet? I mean, you don't want to see the guy do poorly, but when they play the Steelers, uh, hell yeah, you want to get pressure. If you knock him on his ass, you don't worry about that. When's the last time you felt this way, Pittsburgh? Because to me, it's just another game. It's going to be cool and weird to see Marc-Andre Fleury, but I've been watching Vegas all season long. I root for him in Vegas, but not above my pens. To even ask that question, I think it's laughable. What would make you want to root for him instead of the team? If the team did something egregious, if the team was using skates that were made by little children in Africa who were whittling them together and they weren't paying them legitimate wages, okay, fine. If you're a Cincinnati Bengals fan and you are sick of the convicts that they got there, then I understand hopping teams. But you're the two-time defending Stanley Cup champs. Root for your team. Now, I suppose you could say, well, they've won two championships. Why not let Mark andre get his? But it's not like he got done wrong by the organization. That's the other thing. Like, a lot of people rooted for Bruce Arians when he left because the Steelers said he was retired, and he really wasn't. And a lot of people have rooted for Dick LeBeau since he's left because the Steelers said he was retired, and he really wasn't. Like, they got done wrong by the organization in their minds, right? So Steelers fans will root for them independent of the Steelers. But Marc-Andre Fleury never got done wrong. In fact, the only people who ever really did Marc-Andre Fleury wrong were the fans. The fans were the ones who now want to throw rose petals at his feet, and I'm happy that they do, when early in his career, Marc-Andre, oh man, he's not been the same since he won that Stanley Cup. Which is kind of ridiculous to say, because he won the Stanley Cup. So I don't get it. Tell me if I'm wrong, at underscore Adam Crowley. Four one two nine two 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 eight seven four. Got about a minute left. So actually, I had to, that's a crutch. I shouldn't have thrown the phone number out. I'm still learning on the job, guys. I'm sorry. Brian tweets, My wife was listening about the belly button piercing pain, and she said it hurts like hell, and she gave birth to my son. Oh, man. You're screwed, dude. It ain't happening. Oh, it's you better get a six pack. I mean, if you don't, well, let's let's put it this way: if you don't get a six pack, it is happening. But well, duh. I mean, there's no way around it. Like no six pack, and that's something I've been thinking about too. Is like, I might have to we, go two a days. We kind of need a vote between the crew here on the show as to whether it is actually like if it's enough of a six pack or not. I will tell you if if you can see six of my abs. See, I don't think that's full-on six-pack. If you can see six of my abs and I'm getting my belly button pierced, I'm going to beat the bleep out of all y'all. Well, I mean, you got to get lean, though, dude. they got to be defined. It can't be just, like, flat abs. Well, not. Fl- I mean, that's not a thing. Well, I mean, some people have a little bit of belly and some abs still going there. Yeah. If you got that going on, you're getting pierced, bro. I'm not worried about that. That's kind of where I am right now. Yeah. So once I blow the rest of it off... I have faith in you, man. Go A.B. on that. Go James Harrison on that. Just kick it. I've been ass. doing insanity every day. I might have to do it twice a day. Twice, two a days, man. It's where it's at. My thought process was, if I'm not seeing the results I want to by Christmas, which is almost one month, it's the 27th of January that I need to have the six-pack by, if I'm not seeing the results I need to see by that point, then I'm 
cutting out beer. I'm going See, insane diet for the last month. Crowley, I love you, but that's a loser attitude right there. You, think you should just, be going hard on right now. Don't I am leave. going hard right now, I mean, but, but I haven't cut beer out. You I like I like want, my life. Yeah, you must want. I mean, come on, man. It's your belly button. Why aren't you going at it full on? Commit, dude. Otherwise, you know what? we're going to be sticking you with needles, dude. You I know don't want to see it happen to it you. It is my belly button. And my belly button shall not be pierced. Will Greer would go. He would drop beer right now and have a six-pack by tomorrow. If he didn't already have one. I shall not be penetrated on this show. By a needle. I shall not be penetrated in any sense. Yeah, that too. See you tomorrow. Four to seven. Carson City Saloon. Crowley Show.